0: Welcome back to The Balancing Act Podcast. I'm Andy Tempty. On The Balancing Act, we talk to business leaders and industry experts to explore the balancing acts we play in our professional lives, learn about the events that put rocket boosters behind their career success. Today, we have Dave Bookbinder joining us. Dave is the author of The New ROI, Return on Individuals. He's the host of the podcast, Behind the Numbers, executive director of valuation services at Hafley flanagan welcome to the show dave
1: andy thanks so much for having me great to be here
0: yeah i i I love talking to finance professionals who have made the transition to the people side of the <laughs> equation. So uh, for, for our guests, that will be the main focus today. But as we always do uh, with all of our guests, uh, please tell our listeners your story.
1: Yeah, sure. So thanks for that. Like you said, I'm a financial guy. So uh, by education, MBA and finance, by profession, I've got two professional designations from the American Society of Appraisers, that say, uh, in their view, that I'm an expert in business valuation and intangible asset valuation. I uh, wrote two books uh, The New ROI, Return on Individuals, and The New ROI, Going Behind the Numbers, which explore my journey to prove that people really are a company's most valuable asset. And like you said, also host of a podcast called Behind the Numbers.
0: Very, very cool. Um, You know, what's that one event, that that singular moment in your career that just put those rocket boosters uh, behind your career? Great question,
1: and I I think maybe an unusual answer. Maybe you hear this more often than not, but it was uh, a negative thing. So early in my career, I was part of an organizational restructuring, and it was very disruptive and i was talking with a close friend and mentor about it at the time he assured me that every successful person that he had met in his life had been through something like this and assured me everything was going to turn out for the better and you know in that moment it's 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 hard to see that but with hindsight and total clarity now i realize that yet sometimes those things really do happen for a reason and maybe that really was what was the springboard as you say for a different trajectory that I otherwise never would have had a chance to explore.
0: Yeah, so what, what, where where did you go after, after that restructuring moment?
1: Yeah, that took me into a, sort of a different route in corporate finance, which let me cut my teeth in the investment banking world. And I worked my way up the corporate finance food chain doing mergers and acquisitions, capital raising, asset securitization. And that's when I came to the realization that valuation was really kind of the most intellectually gratifying of the corporate finance offerings and never looked back from there.
0: Yeah, in the spirit of uh, full disclosure, I'm on the board of the Financial Modeling Institute. Uh, Dave, uh, as a valuation expert, would be very familiar with the world of financial modeling as it relates uh, to the valuation process. And I, I agree, Dave, when when you get it right, uh, when you get a valuation right and have a really solid model uh, behind it uh, to uh, as a, as a set of proof points, uh, it can really help with financial decision making, uh, business strategy, etc. So a lot of a lot of folks kind of put. The what, what you focus on every day, which is valuation. I think it's uh, kind of an oddity and, uh, and a sideshow, but it is central to a lot of what happens in business.
1: Oh, yeah, it's fundamental. But let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. Uh, so Financial Modeling Institute, Ian Schnorr, Toronto.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Ian was a guest on my show not too long ago uh, talking about financial modeling. Fun fact that he is chairman of Henderson Brewery. I'm a huge rush fan and he was organizing rush day. I mean, that was a, that was a great episode.
0: So Dave, uh, I I too am a, a huge rush fan. I grew up as a young man mimicking Getty Lee's voice. I was so excited uh when Ian called me up and said, "Hey, I was just at Henderson Brewing and uh Getty uh, uh, Getty Lee was there and and I was like, "Oh my god, why did why wasn't I there with you? How so we'll we'll have to figure out how we can uh, make the journey up to see, uh, Ian at under the guise of visiting the financial modeling Institute, but just run into, uh, Getty. I,
1: I am down for that 100%. And uh, now the world heard you put it out there. So yeah, please do. The only reason I was not able to make it to rush day this year was it was conflicting with my fantasy football draft and I host it and have hosted it for almost 35 years. So, uh, <laughs> It was otherwise occupied, but I was bummed that I couldn't get to Toronto for that.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Although
1: the band wasn't there, so it wasn't total loss, I guess.
0: Oh, well. All right. Well,
1: small world though. Sorry to distract you there.
0: No, no, no. That, that is, that is fantastic. I will talk about uh, Rush uh, and music all day, but uh, let's dive in. Uh, can you give us a little primer on what it means to be a valuation expert? Uh, what kind of projects are you most involved in?
1: Yeah, sure. And the best way to describe it is let me start from the top with the word. So I think most people uh, watching and listening have seen the show Shark Tank. And I like to say that Shark Tank did me a big favor because I, I like to think it made the word valuation sexy. That's how it lives in my head anyway, Andy. Um, but it brought the word into our living rooms, even to the point where my kids actually turned to me and said, Dad, don't you do something like that? Um, but there's a lot of reasons why companies need valuations besides trying to just raise capital. Um, a lot of it is, is really sort of compliance, I'll say. Uh, I have not really met a business owner that woke up one day and said, you know what? I really want to know what my business is worth wait for it. And I'm really willing to do that to spend 10 or 20 grand to get that answer. Usually what happens is they're they're trying to do another thing. So it could be they're buying a business and their accountant tells them that they need to record the assets on the balance sheet at fair value. Maybe they're trying to transfer ownership of their business to their kids or their grandchildren. And the accountant will say, hey, you need to get the stock valued. Maybe there's a business dispute between uh, a couple of partners and now there's a business divorce that's pending. And there needs to be evaluation there. The lawyer recommends that. So it's usually somebody trying to do that other thing that uh, winds up having them ask the accountant, the lawyer or the other advisor. Well, darn it, who do you know that does that? So that, that's where the valuations come up. And that's a general summary of the kinds of the projects that I'm working on. So it's, it's the financial reporting piece for the balance sheet. And there's a lot of tax work. And then there's strategic planning as well for things like exit strategy, uh, whether it's a sale of the business or whether it's just generational transfer.
0: Yeah, very cool. So this is the Balancing Act podcast. So let's talk balancing acts. What's the most important balancing act that a valuation expert has to play when you're in one of those engagements?
1: The most important? Well, valuation is a blend of art and science, as you well know, right? The models have to be tight. The, the prescribed methodologies have to be correct. They have to be accurate. But there's also judgment involved in valuation. And the longer you, you wind up doing it, the more judgment you can accumulate. It makes sense, right? You've seen more, you you have greater experience to draw from. And just as a quick example, one of the ways you value a business is uh, by using a market based approach. And most folks can relate to that because they've all heard, "Oh, my company trades at you know eight times EBITDA, six times EBITDA, whatever EBITDA is, um, and how you define it." But how do you, how do you get to that multiple? And it's more than just what you've heard at a cocktail party. Uh, there's prescribed methods for how you develop a data set to indicate what the mult range of multiples are. But in selecting the right multiples, that's where judgment comes in. That's just one of the many things we have to balance.
0: Right. Yeah. There, it's uh, it's the valuation and finance generally is not all about the numbers. And we're going to explore that as the conversation goes on, but that uh, cr- those critical thinking skills are uh, absolutely essential for Uh, budding accountants and uh, finance professionals to uh, hone. Uh, Let's shift gears to your specific career arc. What's the most important balancing act that you've played as it's uh, contributed to your personal career success?
1: Yeah, the the thing I have to balance is the message. Like when I I launched the whole idea around the new ROI return on individuals, um, I was I guess disrupting the status quo a little bit and calling out how number one, the valuation profession looks at human capital and also how the accounting profession looks at human capital. So how we value it and then where it winds up on a financial statement. And for uh, your audience, if they're wondering, so of course, human capital appears on a balance sheet, right? Every uh, CEO on the planet says our people are our most valuable asset. But the spoiler alert is they they don't they get buried into um, a category called, called goodwill. So uh, I was starting to speak about that, and it was it's it's a balancing act to make sure you're not throwing stones at your profession,
0: right? Right. So before we cut to our commercial break, uh, cause we, ha- we have a book to sell, uh, we're selling your books, uh, today, uh, please introduce us to your books on the new ROI, this return on individuals so we can set the stage for our discussion after the break.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for that. So funny story was, I never intended to write a book if anybody ever would ask me, so would you ever want to write a book? The answer is no way. It's way too much work, right. but, um, the, the, the final straw for me was that um, I was realizing that a certain individual was managing by what I call management by spreadsheet. Um, I was trying to get one of my teammates promoted. And the only thing that was being considered was numbers on a spreadsheet. And if those statistics on the spreadsheet didn't align with somebody's expectations, nothing else mattered. And that's when it occurred to me, I, I need, I need to do something. So I put out an article and it got some traction. And long story short, I wound up collaborating with about 20 other thought leaders across North America to go on this journey to prove that people really are a company's most valuable asset. So that was the new ROI, Return on Individuals, book one, the white cover. Uh, Fun fact, somebody actually turned it into a play, Andy, they actually hired playwright actors and and made it a stage play for a night. That was really cool. Um, And then the second book is called the new ROI, Going Behind the Numbers, which marries the New ROI brand with the podcast brand of going behind the numbers. And it's a compendium of the conversations that I've had on my show with you know, business leaders, thought leaders, CEOs who are doing the right things for their people and speaking about the impact that they're seeing.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna take a really short uh, commercial break and we'll be right back. I'm Andrew Tempty. The alignment of personal purpose with that of the business we lend our talents to is essential to achieving optimal work-life balance. But do you know what your personal purpose is? To help answer this crucial question, I've created a guidebook to help define your personal purpose and a vision statement to serve as your North Star. Visit andrewtempty.com purpose to download your free copy today. And we're back with Dave Bookbinder talking about the world of business valuation. Uh, you before the break, uh, you set us up in terms of the what behind your your books, uh, the new ROI return on individuals. Uh, the, on this show, we talk a lot about uh, human skill, uh, and you know, let's suppose we're going to run a couple of thought experiments here. Uh, And first, let's talk about skills. If you had a new graduate, uh, a new accounting graduate, new finance graduate sitting right in front of you right now, and they're entering the world of work and they're thinking it's all about the numbers. What advice would you have for them about the kinds of skills that they need to adopt and hone on the human skill side?
1: Yeah, and, and that's really kind of the fundamentals of, of what's going on in the return on the indiv- individuals concept. So I talk about how the people contribute to the value of business enterprise, and it all starts with leadership. So it, it starts with building trust among your teams, giving them the ability to have a safe space to be creative and innovative, leading with empathy. One of the the, uh, the reasons that I explored this journey, which I didn't share with you in the first segment, was I was a single dad for about a decade. And during that period of time, I got to work for some really great leaders who led with empathy. They treated me with respect and dignity. And they understood that if I had to go pick up a sick kid at, at daycare in the afternoon, that I needed to do what I needed to do. And I would walk through fire for them. And that's how I started to understand what employee engagement felt like. And I also got to work for some other folks who didn't quite get it. And they'd actually roll their eyes and say things like, well, it must be nice to go home at three o'clock in the afternoon, never understanding what my day is going to be like as a single dad picking up one sick kid at school and having to take care of the other one at night. Anyways, they didn't get quite as much from me on the engagement side. They didn't get that discretionary effort. So um, there's a lot of data that's out there that shows that about one third of the workforce is engaged anytime during the day at work. So as a leader, it's your responsibility to create an environment for your team so that if you can just turn that engagement dial to the right just a little bit, imagine how much more discretionary effort, how much more productivity you're going to be able to get, how much greater business value you're going to be able to create. You're going to create brand evangelists for your company. They'll they'll be out there saying what a great place it is to work. They'll be able to help you recruit. You'll retain It's it's just it's all connected. And the thing that I would tell these these new employees as I do currently is that it really is about the people. It's building that relationship with the other individual. And remember that they are just like you. They're a human being. They they show up for work, they're doing their best, hopefully, and they're they've got stuff that goes on in their world that you may never know about. So be empathetic. Don't make assumptions if somebody's late for a couple of days that, oh, they're a slacker. Maybe just ask a question and check in. Is everything okay? You may find that they're taking care of an elderly parent, or there's some other thing going on.
0: Yeah, in my uh, Saturday morning muse uh, for this week, uh, I'm actually talking about uh, Gallup's ongoing uh, study that 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 they do. It's this. Uh, it's called the Q12 Employee Engagement Assessment, uh, yeah. and uh, I the advice that I would have uh, for uh, those, those, uh, thinkers can, that you know, kind of fixed mindset, uh, I did it this way. So you need to do it that way. Kind of thinkers is go out and look at this study. They, you know, the top quartile versus the bottom quartile, uh, a, as it relates to, uh, engagement leads to higher profitability, uh, higher productivity, higher quality. There, there, there are a lot of numbers out there that support uh, what, uh, you know, what, what you talk about in your book.
1: Yeah. And there's also investment strategies too, uh, that, that support that as well. So yeah. there are indexes that are made up like by Glassdoor, best places to work, great places to work, things like that. They all outperform the S and P 500. Uh, there's an ETF that Harbor capital manages. It's the Harbor capital corporate culture leaders that is truly based on the investment thesis that people really contribute to a business value outperforms. You,
0: yeah you know thinking about these uh i'll, I'll just politely call them older school finance professionals who think that it's all about the numbers and and nothing more. Do you have any, do you have any success stories that you can share with us? You know, not the names, but the stories of how you've been able to, through your writing, uh, change uh, the uh, fixed mindset into more of a growth mindset uh, from a leadership perspective and helping them to see the benefits that's a balancing human and technical skill in their teams?
1: Yeah, and I'll come at it from a couple angles. One is the, the back door, if you will. The HR community has reached out to me, the human resources community has reached out to me uh, repeatedly to tell me that what the books have given them is language so that they're able to speak the language of finance and data so that when they, they get the opportunity to have the conversations about people it's not just the woo woo stuff, you know, like let's, let's, let's get another ping pong table sort of thing. Right. Uh, they, they, they have real actionable data that they can share as to why these types of endeavors and in investing in your people really contribute to the value of the business, which then when you, when you talk to the, when I talk to finance leaders and I hear from finance leaders, uh, I, I think the message is starting to resonate that in my view, human capital is the kind of the final frontier of value creation. Um, yeah, we've all done the, the cost reductions and things like that. And we've all seen what ultimately that does the damage to the customer relationship, the employee relationship and so forth, but keep coming back to the engagement statistics and the investment return statistics. So you don't have to just take my word for it. You, you can see the empirical data, the numbers don't lie. So if you're a numbers person, you should get comfortable with that. And at the end of the day, what it really hangs together for me in sharing is, You'll get this from a valuation standpoint the business value is the present value of its future economic benefits brought back to today's dollars at its cost of capital all of these companies that are doing good things for their people the great places to work etc they all enjoy a lower cost of capital so lower cost of capital the way the math works is the greater the value of those uh, the present value of those future cash flows so it's all connected and the, d- the data is super helpful. It's, it's no longer just one of those amorphous topics.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's not all about trust falls and beanbag throwing, which is what some folks yeah. uh, get, get in their minds that that's what employee engagement uh, programs are. Uh, mini golf courses and ping pong tables. Uh, in, engagement is, uh, is much, much more than that.
1: Yeah. And I would say some of those things are still nice to do, but that, that can't be the core tenet of, of your engagement strategy.
0: Right. Right. So Dave, let's have a little fun, uh, two lightning round questions for you. First one, you have access to a time machine and can send a message to an earlier version of yourself. Hmm. What's the message and what previous version of yourself do you choose to send it to?
1: Wow, I'm, I'm going to go back to the first segment and go back to that guy who was caught in the restructuring and was full of panic and fear and uh, just totally unaware of the unknown. And uh, I would go back to that person and, in my own voice, not just in my mentor's voice, tell myself that things happen for a reason. This is your path. Lean into it and and see where it takes you, and and you'll be surprised.
0: Yeah, good good message for our listeners. The second question. Uh, We're both finance uh, folks and we, we love, we love numbers and monetary investments, but what's the best non-monetary investment you've ever made that's positively contributed to your overall well-being?
1: I'll give you a two for exercise, because when I exercise, I've got my ear pods in and I'm rocking out to Russia and other bands. So it's, it's double therapy
0: for me. Nice, nice. Um, uh, what's your favorite rush song?
1: Favorite rush song has to be limelight and uh, fun fact, one of my producers at uh, the studio where we do the show, the pod, my podcast, uh, I got him actually trained and indoctrinated. And that was kind of the entrance music. If you can envision a wrestler walking down to the ring at the WWE, uh, as I was coming into the studio every morning when I was doing my shows, he'd crank up limelight and just bounce it off the studio walls for me
0: nice i'll share my i'll share mine with you it is free will so you you almost can't go wrong no (laughs) there's a lot to choose from Uh, this has been such a wonderful wonderful show final question tell us a little bit more about your podcast behind the numbers and what's next for you
1: yeah so behind the numbers uh was born about five years ago we just recorded episode number 200 today at the RBN Television Studios, not too, too far from me here in New Jersey. And the, the show is really, it's evolved into leadership, Andy. Um, it's about what business leaders and the people that serve businesses are doing to go deeper and looking at their performance, but what's driving it. And when you go behind the numbers, there's usually a people story. There's lessons, there's observations that, be, that can be shared, because as we talk throughout this program, it's not just about looking at numbers on a spreadsheet. So that podcast is now listened to in more than hundred countries. Listen Notes says we're in the top 3% of shows globally and you can find it anywhere you get your podcast. So I would invite you to please check it out.
0: That's that's excellent. Well, Dave, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the show today. I wish you all the best for the future. My name is Andy Tempty. This is the balancing act podcast. Please like, subscribe, rate, share. Uh, Please check out uh, Dave's show, Behind the Numbers. We really appreciate you. This show was produced by Nick Tempty, and we'll see you next time.